0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com until, uh, until this, uh, what did they say? 45 minutes? Anyone know? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, last night I was teaching. Uh, last night I taught a four-hour shir. Or yesterday I taught a four-hour shir. Then I took an hour and a half break and then I taught a seven-hour shir. All on my feet. So the people at the end were like, because I had more energy than they did by the time we were done. They're like, "How'd you do that?" And the answer is, this isn't part of the shear. Do you mind, uh, I don't know. Don't give Mayor more work, so you can restart this. Anyway, but just for you guys, the answer is is that is that when you're everything everything occurs in doing and being. Like right now, what you're doing is sitting, listening, and but there's a you that's being here. And so there's a doing and there's a being. And when your being is not clear, if you don't have clear being, like for example, uh, speaking Motsi Shamra about yourself, because you know, think about it, you, you, you have like, according to psychology, you think 60,000 thoughts a day. That's 3,500 thoughts an hour. Now there's the ones that you actually the thoughts you let out, otherwise known as words that you speak, but the words you speak are tailored for the listener. The other ninety-eight percent of your sixty thousand thoughts a day, if you're like most people I've met, you're pretty rough on yourself. There's mostly Shamera going on. You'll say stuff about yourself that you wouldn't say about anyone else. And you're like, uh uh-uh, uh, I have people I'd say something about. But yeah, but you have like one or two things you'd say about them. You have like 20 things you'd say about yourself. So that stuff we say about ourselves is in the being. And then what do we do in the world of doing? We go do stuff and speak and look a certain way so no one should know what the being is. We hide the being with the doing. And it's obvious stuff. I mean, it's like there's simple stuff. You know, like there's... there's uh, you know, if I'm, if I, if, if I feel like I'm not accepted, so I'm gonna be like, you know, always pleasing you, so that you'll accept me. You know, if I, if I feel ugly, I'll be dressing a certain way so that you'll think I'm handsome. You know, if I'm, if I feel like I'm, I don't matter, so I will get a loud car. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, if I feel invisible, and someone was driving down 13th Avenue last night. It was like an SUV, so it should have been silent. It was like, it sounded like a motorcycle. It was like, Every time he touched the gas pedal. So he probably, in his being, felt invisible. But in his doing, he was like making a racket. He was showing up. Big time. Anyway, so everything, everything exists like that. But here's the thing. Does doing take effort? Does doing take effort? Doing takes a ton of effort. Right? Doing takes a ton of effort. And, and if, oh, why does doing take effort? Doing takes effort because it's covering up negative being, statements of being that are negative. So, of course, if what's causing all my doing is garbage, so then the doing's going to be exhausting. Because you can never stop, you have to keep going. Because if you stop for a second, you're right back in the being. So you got to keep doing and doing and doing. And you do, 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 Until there's do, do everywhere. And people will do and do and do their whole lifetime. And on their tombstone, they'll put done. And you know what happened to all the loved ones who had to deal with all the doing? Why don't we all just turn our phones off? Go ahead, reach in. Shut it off. So, you know what happens to all the loved ones when we die? If we're, if we're, if we're these doing aholics, you know what happens to all our loved ones when you die? You know what they do? They go like this. Whoa. She was heavy. He was heavy. I mean, they miss you, they cry. It's all the regular grief, but it's also like, what a relief. Now, What if your being is clean? What if you actually only say nice things about yourself? What if you had zero tolerance for negative statements of being? And you actually got good at monitoring the thoughts to make sure you never say anything negative about yourself. So now your being is clean. And what's clean being? Clean being is very obvious. like It's the simplest thing in the world. Why? Especially if you're a Hashem. Why? Because well, God clearly wants you here, right? So therefore, you're automatically I'm wanted. Everyone say I'm wanted. Not a good job. One, two, three. I wanted. Okay, and ladies, it's not called colicia to say I'm wanted. Okay. One, two, three. Say it. Number two is he um, he he put you here for a reason. So say I matter. One, two, three. I matter. What's going on over here? Where is someone like no self-expression, okay, um, okay, I matter. Um, he also he gave you the ability to do whatever he put you here for. So one, I, I'm capable. One, two, three. I'm capable. Okay, uh, I got this. One, two, three. I got this. Um, He also gave you the brains to do it. You know, you may not be someone who does calculus. You may not be someone who can adjust insurance policies. You know, because that's a use of a brain that's not maybe yours. But you're uniquely brilliant for whatever you came here for. Because it would be a cruel trick not to give you the brains for what you came here for. So, I'm uniquely brilliant. One, two, three. I'm uniquely brilliant. Now, what if you spent your whole day saying all that stuff? So you're coming from clean, ble- clean, clean being. You're coming from clean being. And now you're doing the stuff that someone who declared that does and think what do i do all day i do the stuff that the positive statements of being cause me to do remember being causes doing being causes doing negative being causes cover-up doing positive being calls you powerfully into life you get that because if that's who I am, I got to get out of bed. I remember one one day I woke up many years ago. I was uh, I was in a low mood. You know, when you wake up in a low mood, you don't really want to get out of bed. And I didn't want to get out of bed. And so you know what I did. I, I and also, is there any being when you're in a low mood of all the positive statements of being in a low mood? Nothing, nothing. So I'm laying in bed. And my wife keeps coming in, going, "Aren't you getting up?" And I'm just like, "I can't move." And so I finally I finally say to her, I still have my eyes closed. I say to her. Tell me who I am. <laughs> and she's like, what? Like, Tell me who I am. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, who am I? Because nothing's coming up, and I don't want to get out of bed. And she starts saying all this stuff about me, really positive things. And you know, I taught it, Asha, Tore everything. She's like, you say things to people that it doesn't matter who they are. They could be 18, they could be 80. They could be white, black, Jew, Gentile. And it makes a difference for people. Anyway, she kept going and going and going and going. It's really nice, by the way, to have your wife do something other than chep you. So she keeps going and going. And finally, finally, you know, I said, is that really who I am? And she's like, that's who you are. I said, I better get out of bed. Why? Because if that's who I am, I better go do it. Because being leads to doing. But now I got a question for you. If, oh, here's a question. What's the essence of your being? What's your mamish, like the very, very essence of being? And the answer is, in the shema, it's chela kelo I mean, seriously, take a moment. Let's try it. Let's do it right now. Everyone take a moment and get aware of the fact that you're sitting in this room. Just your own awareness of being a human being in the room. Take a moment. Take a breath. And just be aware of your awareness. You're aware of your awareness of that, right? You're in this room, you're not in the hallway. You're in this room, you're not in your, your hotel room. Just be aware of that. Well, what is that awareness? What is that? Did you know it doesn't show up on MRIs? You can't find it in brain scans. It's not physical, it's a chela kilokami mouth. And really much more, but this is not This is not a Kabbalah class. So your being ultimately, ultimately, is chelakilakamimau. So if being causes doing, and the being's coming from an infinite source, that means you have infinite energy in the world of doing. And so when the guys asked me after 12 hours of... In ex- this energy, you sense my energy? You sense how high energy I'm teaching? This energy for 12 hours straight. I took an hour and a half break and had dinner with my wife. She's coming for Chavez, by the way. She changed her ticket. So she, right now she's in, of course, the Stanford Mall. But <laughs> I dropped her in Stanford Mall and I came and put all our bags in the room. Um, by the way, you want to hear something amazing? She grew up in Stanford. She grew up in Stanford, Connecticut. So it's amazing for her to come back. And as you may realize from my English, that I wasn't raised exactly like you. Without going into detail, but I was born in California and I have a very different background. But so does she. So she was raised in Stanford and the first time she came back, Shoma Shabbos here to Stanford for like an Asia Torah convention at this hotel, like 20 years ago. More, I think. Anyway, she came back here like 24 years ago. She went to her mall, the mall she grew up in. And what happened? It's almost Shabbos, and she's like, okay, I gotta get a cab. She calls a cab. They're like, sorry, we don't have any cars. She goes outside, there are no cars. Every cab that went by had someone in it, and she's back in the mall calling. She doesn't know what to do, she's stuck in the mall. It's getting closer and closer to Shabbos. And she finally just starts crying. And she's like crying. I'm like, Miss Shabbos. The mall's not close to here. You know, She could have walked. It would have taken her like two hours. She had, had to leave her bags. So there was no air. She starts crying to leave the mall. And then it dawned on her that her tshuva was, she had to cry in the mall that she was Michal Shabbos in her whole upbringing. She had to cry in the mall to leave it for Shabbos. And when she hopped that she had to cry to leave the mall she grew up in so that she could keep Shabbos, a taxi just comes right up. She didn't even call it. Comes right up, no one in the car. And he's just like, need a ride, lady? And she just like got in the car. And she was here just about a candle lighting. Now, believe it or not, this class has nothing to do with uh, being and doing but you got the point that when you're holding from infinite being doing flows automatically effortlessly and you know what you'll be if you get that if you hop that and that's what I've been I'm, I've now 11,000 graduates of the possible you 11,000 graduates and it's going to be in Muncie so if you enjoy my classes this week Muncie Shabbos call somebody in Muncie and say to the men, say, one o'clock, Muncie, be there. The women is 9.30, uh, Monday. But, but um, 11,000 11, graduates know what I'm talking about. And several are in the room. And it's like, here's my promise. You know what the promise is? We'll be saying it later tonight. You will be fresh in your old age. You'll be fresh in your old days. I'm the oldest person here, and I promise you I have more energy than all you put together. Because clean out your being, your doing goes on fire. And the arteries stay clear. And your weight stays perfect. And you're you're just like you're just a lean, mean, loving machine. And do powerful things. When your being is clean, your doings clean and it causes the air to be clean vibrationally you're like a magnet in your relationships all your drama goes away because we create all that drama to, from the being there's no more drama can you imagine your life without drama ladies can you imagine a drama free life your drama goes away you, don't, you have like an identity crisis I need more drama where'd the drama go no more drama as they say in the Bronx ain't nobody got time for that right and nobody got time for drama you're just clean and free so th- that's that's a that was an offer and I'll be back in November Lakewood I'll be in Lakewood I just finished Borough Park and uh, I guess I can let out the secret um, I'm actually opening a center an actual real estate piece of property in Borough Park uh, in Brooklyn Square and uh, a beautiful space. And finally, finally, meaning I'm all set in Muncie. I'm all set in Lakewood. I'm all set in Yerushalayim. But Borough Park has been the biggest thorn in my side of finding a place every time. And Borough we finally have a, have a headquarters. So I'm, I'm biting the bullet and uh, took out a beautiful place doing construction in the next weeks and bringing in all the furniture and it's very exciting I just want to share that because I'm excited just to give you a hint if it's your first time in Shabbos there's two ways to tackle this Shabbos one is because you're going to see there's going to be a menu of so many classes every hour you don't know what to do like where do I go, where do I go, where do I go so you check the title, you check the teacher and you're like, still hard to know so there's two options One is you play the menu game. What's the menu game? You hear a different person every hour. Hear a different person every hour. So by the end of Shabbos, you'll like know which rabbis or rebbitsons you want to follow after the, after the Shabbos. It's great. And the other option is somehow find one of them that you want, you want to pick his brain, meaning you want to like, you want to download this Shabbos from that particular one. You can do two or three also, but just choose the ones you want to get from and then just be at all their pro, be at all their classes the whole time. So I didn't look at the list of rabbis, but there's some of them in there are like amazing and amazing for years and years and real longevity careers. And so show up to all of theirs and just get from them so that you leave with something. Cause if you do the menu version, you have who to follow and you'll get then. But you could actually just be at all the ones here of one of the people or two of them. And then you'll, you'll like literally leave with, with whatever they gave you. But it'll be quite a bit. You'll also get to know the way they think and you'll, you'll be a better listener later because I'm sure I'm shocking some of you already. And you don't know how to listen to me exactly. And because you're just so used to lectures. And I, you'll never hear me lecture. I don't lecture. Okay, here we go. Um, Jewish and Jewish. Jewish and Jewish. Every person is born with a hook in their mouth. Yeah, a fish hook in their mouth. And when, you, when you, God decides you're going to come into the world, you know, he takes the bait, I guess, or he takes you, really. <laughs> he just goes, plunk. And then, uh, you know, nine months later, minus 40 days, you know, whin whin whin. And, and then you spend your life in this world, and then at the end, he reels you in. Everyone's born with a hook in their mouth, but everyone. So whenever you see somebody, you know, doing the wrong thing, whether it's a Jew or a Gentile, it might be a Jew who's not from or a Gentile, you always think to yourself, like, like, what a waste, or like, God must be really angry at him for going against God or whatever. You realize? Do you think God loses sleep over that guy? You think God loses sleep over a guy who decides he's not keep Shabbos anymore, or whatever? You think he loses sleep? It's not like that guy can. Can you get away from God? Is there any way out? Like, like how do you run away from God? First of all, while you're running away, you're inside His mind. If you know any Kabbalah, all of, the whole physical world's made of Elokuz. The whole physical world never even left God's mind. So, like, you're running away. Where are you going to go? Where he's not. But even without all the Kabbalah, we're all born with a hook in our mouth. And at the end of our life, God reels us in, takes the hook out so we can say something for ourselves, and he asks you two questions. He asks, were you Jewish? If you're Jewish, if you're Italian, he doesn't ask. But he says, were you Jewish? And the other one was, were you Jewish? Were you Jewish? And were you Jewish? Those are the two questions. Jewish and Jewish. Now you gotta answer well. Because if you don't answer well, you know what he does? He just throws it right back in the pond. So imagine like some secular kid from like, uh, I don't know, some secular kid from the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And he gets up there and God says, you know, were you Jewish? And this Friar Yid is like Jewish, there was no one more Jewish than me. You know, I, I, I had custom license plate that had my name on it. I was like, you know, everyone knew who I was. I got a tattoo with my first name on it. Yeah, Jewish I got. What does Jewish mean? Jewish? Yeah. What's the definition of that? Tattoo. Well, everyone's different, you know. You're different than this guy you probably both keep shabbos but like you're you and he's him so the keeping shabbos is jewish but you got your own tough kid and here you are like you know you're working camera work and tourney time clearly the jewish drove you here got you here and i'm not gonna ask this gentleman what he does for a living but i have a sense that the jewishness in him gravitated toward what he does for a living and that's good because had he gravitated towards some other thing that he got pressured into, he wouldn't do as good a job as discovering himself and then finding his, uh, his occupation. So that's Jewish. Jewish is your individual self. And then God says to this guy from Upper East Side, were you Jewish? And the guy's like, Jewish? And he'd be like, well, come on, boss. I mean, uh, Jewish? Like Havanagila? And God's like, back into the pond. And then on the other side is what if he pulls up some guy from Williamsburg? Williamsburg with a, with a V. He pulls up a guy from Williamsburg. Williamsburg, by the way, happens to be my favorite place in all of New York meaning i don 't like the part where you know everyone 's kind of checking you out when you walk around everywhere you know it 's kind of like you know when you walk down the street in williamsburg it 's kind of like uh, it 's kind of like having a uh, having like a colonoscopy you know <laughs> and uh, that part i don 't like but the my family 's from Marmarsh, and uh, which is vision it 's not satmer but there 's just something about sat and my favorite Pince Carlin that we're I don't know, we're like brothers. I don't know what it is. It's the weirdest thing. Like my brothers, I love the Belzers, I love the Gers. I love the you know, I love all the chisses. But I don't know what it is about something about Satmir. And and it's weird. Like I'm in Borough Park. I got like thirty jewels right next to me at forty eighth and fourteenth where I stay. But every single morning you will see me walking down to get to Satmir. Now it does happen to be that they have three pools. And in Eretz Yisrael, if a mikvah doesn't have three pools, which is warm, cold, and boiling, it's not a mikveh. So, that's part of it. <laughs> By the way, next week I'm going to be in Skver every morning. They have three pools. Now, um, now so chaptes, chaptes. The satin guy gets upstairs, God reels him in. Yeah? Let's say he he died of old age and he reels him in. Something nice, you know, we don't need like a crane accident or something. God reels him in and God says to him, tell me, were you Jewish? And he was like, you're asking me if I was Jewish? Like, there, there was nobody more Jewish than me. Nobody was more Jewish than me. I was very, very Jewish. That And uh, it's all in English up there. So, <laughs> anyway, so then God says to him, But were you Jewish? At which point the guy's like, He looks like a little kid in Kaida who like doesn't know the answer. <laughs> He's like, Just like you, kind of. Jewish? What's Jewish? He's like, listen, Yankee. I mean, I know you had fourteen siblings, but you were no one was like you, and no one was like each other. Everyone was their own person. And Yankee's like, no, nah, no, we weren't. We were the same person. We were one person. I was once teaching a room probably this size, but it was all men. And I asked, someone raise their hand, whoever taught uh, whoever taught three-year-olds. You know, the years you learn Aleph by, you know, the beginning of God. So a guy raises his hand, and he actually was from Williamsburg, and I said, I said, how many kids were in the class? He said, 40. Can you imagine 43-year-olds? So there were 40. and And I said, tell me, was any of those 40 kids the same? he says, no one. I said, was, was there even overlap between them? He's like, no overlap. Every single kid was his own universe. And then I asked the same room of people. I said, who was a Rebbe in Kita? What Kita in, in America is uh, when they, everyone gets a kapalooch for bar mitzvah? Anyone here was a Rebbe from Kita Tez?" And, and several people raised their hand. And I asked one guy, how many kids you had? He said he had 30 kids in his class. I said, were any of them different? He said, no, none of them were different. They were actually self-amputating. Meaning any appendage that might be like, make them a little different, they by themselves would slice off. And each one of us was born with a special gift that's unique to us. And it's not just unique to us in that we would say something a certain way, or exp- you know, meaning express ourselves a certain way. But it's also that each one of us has a unique mission a unique mission on earth that God gave us. And we have to fulfill our mission. Each one of us has a mission. And knowing your particular mission is the most exciting thing to have because every day you wake up excited to fulfill it. I mean, think about it. Who gets the most sleep no, sorry, I shouldn't say it like that. Who sleeps the best? The person with a mission who's fulfilling his mission. When you have a mission and you're fulfilling your mission, meaning, sorry, when you know your mission, and you're fulfilling your mission, your life is so meaningful. You have such a meaningful life. So let me share with you all a chiddish. If you ask, like, a hundred psychologists, what would they tell you is the goal of every human being? What does everyone want to be? Everyone wants to be... Happy. Everyone wants to be happy. The biggest goal of human beings probably is to be happy. That everyone wants to be happy. Can I share with you an amazing chiddush? Get rid of the goal of being happy. Get rid of the goal of being happy. Stop trying to be happy. It's making you nuts, first of all. Because you're like, I mean, after a while, you think Doritos are going to make you happy, and now now you think that can of Coke is going to make you happy, and now you think you know a Lincoln Navigator is going to make you happy, and you and you think this that I meaning you're just constantly trying to be, feel happy, and it makes you nuts because you're just like, you know, you're just like a slave to finding your happiness, and I, I understand why you do it because society's doing it, and everyone's doing crazy stuff to feel happy. But guess what? You know what the real goal is? You wanna know what the goal is? The real goal is to, is to go after meaning. Go after meaning in life. If you live, if you go after meaning to the point where now you live a meaningful life, guess what you're gonna be? What are you gonna be? Happy. Do you see what's going on here? We're all chasing happiness and not finding it. When you chase meaning, you find happiness. You ever met someone who never got married? Yeah, it's pretty painful. They have a lot of pain. And we feel their hearts, we feel their pain. You ever met someone childless? Deep pain, very deep pain. Tell me, what's the most meaningful thing in your life? Of the most meaningful things in your life, marriage, having our children. I want to share with you one more aspect so you understand this well. If there's a lot of things that are meaningful, I just brought up two is marriage, children, whatever, but Yiddish kites, very meaningful. If you have if you're going after meaning, how do you choose which meaning to actually, meaning a lot of meaningful things, how do you prioritize? So the answer is that you follow the trail, follow the trail of responsibility. You understand, Like something might be very meaningful to you, but the biggest responsibility is your marriage. And that's what brings the most happiness. It brings the most meaning and therefore the most happiness. If you follow the trail of responsibility, is there anything we're more responsible than our children? It's a huge responsibility. Great meaning. Great meaning. For those of you who, uh, like for example, in the men who have companies, the women who have companies, if you have companies, a lot of responsibility. Tell me, who has more responsibility? uh, Sorry, who has more meaning? Someone with 10 employees or 1,000? A thousand. He's feeding a thousand families. There's a lot of meaning there. A lot of meaning. How much responsibility is that? Gigantic responsibility. See, a lot of us who don't have a thousand employees, we're thinking like about us, whether our business succeeds or fails. When you have a thousand employees, you're not just thinking about you. Your business succeeding or failing is food on the table. A thousand homes. They have deeply meaningful lives. Now, unfortunately, a lot of those guys can't convert from the meaning to the fulfillment and the happiness and the joy. I've had to counsel a lot of mega-wealthy people, including this week. I was talking to a guy who's one of these billionaire types. He wasn't able to convert from all the meaning. He has a very meaningful life. He can't seem to convert it to fulfillment and happiness in his life. He was having trouble converting it. And I had what to tell him teach him how to convert to the meaning meaning to make the meaning fulfill him how to get that there was something wrong that we were able to fix the bottom line is like this if you want to live a happy life go after the meaning how do you know which meanings the ones that bring more responsibility the more the responsibility the more the, the generally the more meaning the more meaning the more joy you have in life now what is the greatest meaning you could ever have the greatest meaning you can ever have is to have your mission in this world to have your mission clarified of what you're doing here now i'm not going to go into this right now of how you discover your mission And I just created a new seminar that's starting in, please God, in January, called The Mission. It's a 12-hour thing. I haven't decided is it four days by three hours or is it three days by four hours? But it's called The Mission, and it actually teaches men who were, who's teaching men and women, there's gonna be women's ones, but it teaches people whose individuality was robbed from them. You hear what I'm saying? teaches people whose individuality was robbed from them how to find their mission. You get that? It's called the mission. And, it, and it's, it's a program of how to get your Jewish back. How to get the Jewish back in your life. Now, where do Jewish and Jewish mix? Jewish and Jewish mix is when you have your Jewish strong, and then you go do the Jewish, which might be just a Amen Yehishmei Rabbah, or it might be just a, it might be a Shmona right? Esrei, or it might be a, a Kiddish. But there's there's a way that you do it, like nobody else. It's your Kiddish. Is It's it's yours. So when you have Jewish, which I think everyone on the Shabbaton has pretty good, and when you have Jewish, and then you integrate the Jewish with the Jewish in our Yiddishkeit, the Yiddishkeit turns on. You know, someone said to me at the Schwitz last night, someone said to me at the Schwitz last night that, that what's the difference between, what do you say? He said, what's the difference between us and the Amish? That's what he said. What's the difference between us and the Amish? And I looked at him and I said, there's no difference. That's what he wanted to hear. He wanted to hear that there's no difference. Now, the reason why... I said that, I was kidding. There's a massive difference. One's a cult in Pennsylvania. And one's a cult, just kidding. One's a cult in Pennsylvania. And one is, one is the Masora of 3,333 years. Did you know this year of Shavuos was three 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 three? This year is 3,333 a, a Messorah of 3,333 years of a people that was taking Goy of Goy. But of course, you know, who says we have to believe that? But what you'll see is that during the entire movement of the Bolsheva movement, total individuals who had no concept of Jewish... Went to places like Yerushalayim, came to Torah, and as individuals learned what's called Yisodei Amunah. Yisodei Amunah. How do we know what we know is true? They learned Yisodei Amunah. And when they learned Yisodei Amunah, all of a sudden their whole secular lifestyle got put into question. And so what they did was the ones that had confidence and were, you know, strong people and, you know, the ones who were confident suddenly start playing catch-up with the Jewish. And they start developing the Jewish and developing the Jewish and developing the Jewish, developing the Jewish. Their Jewish is very strong. Now, some of them go into crisis, by the way. Because they look they look in the mirror after a year and a half being balchu and they're like, "Who who am I? Who am I? And they'll come up to me and they'll say, I'm like, I'm losing myself, my individuality in the Jewish. And I tell the guy, listen, you've been cooking on the front burner a lot of Jewish for the last 23 years. And the Jewish wasn't even on the stove. So now you put the, you put the Jewish on the back burner. You need to cook up some Jewish. Later... Later, when you've got the Jewish, you're gonna take the, the, the simmering back burner U-ish, you and you're gonna pour it in to the pot. You're gonna pour it into the pot and make a beautiful, beautiful meal. All of us have our Jewish in this room. The Jewish is our deeper work. That's the work about ourselves. To make sure that that our inner game is powerful. Did you know there's an inner and outer game? Like your outer game is what you present to the world. Your inner game is your inner stuff. And you want to know the people you can't fool? Your spouse. You understand there's a lot of, lot of men here with big outer games. There's even women here with big outer games. But... When you're married, you know all this stuff, you know. Yeah, you can only hold, you can only hide your your inner game for so long. When you work on the youish, you're going into your inner game and you're you're dealing with the inner game and what's there. And when it's finally cleaned out, when the when the youish is just just only, zero tolerance for negativity towards myself. When the, Jewish, the the when your inner game is, is clear, and then the Jewish is, I mean, you were raised Jewish, so you, that you got. You put them together, and you have mamishah, mamish mamashah. I was blessed over all the years to, when I was teaching at Torah. I was teaching about being Jewish to all the secular kids who were becoming Baal Shuba. And at night, I would work with Hasidim and Yeshiva Shagayi Amir in the possible you, notice it's called the possible you. It's not the possible Jew, it's the possible you. So I actually would spend, I would, I would be at Aisha Taurus six, eight hours a day, just teaching about being Jewish the whole day. And then at night, I would go, the hall I use in, in Yerushalayim is called Dushinsky. It's a Hasidist, it's on Shmua Navi. At night I would go into Dushinsky, and there'd be 30, 40 men in there, and we would only work on Jewish. Both have to be developed, or else it comes out. It comes out in our kids, comes out in our marriage, and most important, it comes out in our Simcha hachayim, because if the Jewish isn't put together, so we don't have the joy. And when the Jewish is clear and clean, and we have our mission, we know what we're here for. So then there's joy, and the whole world's delicious. Thank you very much, everyone. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.